You know, jealousy bends our love in family and it distorts everything. Very interesting as we study 1 Samuel 25 or 20 actually, uh, 1 through 11. This is an interesting day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And as we study the Bible, as we do every year from Revelation or from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, I would say that this is the day you need to pay attention because we're going to look at a couple of things. Corey is here. Corey, what's going on? I'm going to be taking a look at the Philistines today. Ryan? Today we read in scripture a couple of different times about the new moon, which is a reference to the lunar calendar. But what does that look like astronomically? It's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. We'll talk about that. They're, they're coming up in about 20 minutes time, but Janice is coming up in 25. Janice? Today I'm going to talk about special friendships. All right, very good. So get your Bible guide out and your Bible. Let's open it up and listen to what God has said to us. First Samuel 20, 1 through 11. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means, you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing either great or small without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes, and he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go, that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, Far be it from you, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me, or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. 1 Samuel chapter 20 Verses 1 through 11. First Samuel chapter 20, chapter 21, chapter 22, and chapter 23. You know, King Saul was intensely jealous of David. I think that's obvious. Rather than being thankful for God's provision and victory over the Philistines, 
And rather than accepting God's call on his life, Saul fumed in his heart over these things. Now, this is something that is very relatable as a human being. We've all tasted the bitterness of jealousy at one point or another. We've even witnessed those who try to mimic what other people do to gain success. Now, this is all more disturbing when it happens to ministry leaders, church leaders. The thinking seems to be that if it works for them, it should work for me or my ministry. But what if God has a different anointing for each of us, for ministries and churches in different places and different seasons? We need to remember to seek what God has called each one of us to do and follow him in that. As Christians, we all share in a personal covenant of God through the wonderful Jesus Christ. We're saved by the work of Christ. We've become a part of the kingdom of God. We're all part of the church body. And each of us has a unique role to fill as we all follow God one step at a time. This is very important today. And as we do this, I want you to know about the Bible guide. You can get your copy if you don't have one. Call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on it. It'll take you to a page where you can make a donation. Thank you for your donations. That's very important. And you can download it just as exactly how it's printed, exactly how it looks. Uh, you can get it there or you can write to us or call us and get one of your own. But I encourage you to do so. Today, a loyal covenant. Father, I pray today as we focus on your word, as we look at what you have said, your Holy Spirit has spoken to us. We pray today that you would teach us your way and show us your path in the name of Jesus Christ, his name. Help us to hear you today. This is important. And we all said together, amen and amen. I, I want to be sure that we understand what we're going to read because we're looking at 1 Samuel 20. Let's go to verse 1 because this is important. Listen carefully to what the Lord says. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Now, remember that Saul was intensely jealous of David. And jealousy bends all the love and natural rules of family for each of us personally. It's a very selfish and sinful thing. You see, God commands us not to allow covetedness or jealousy to develop in our hearts. In fact, it is the 10th commandment that says, thou shalt not covet. Now think about that because all the other commandments are fairly easy to track. But the 10th commandment is, well, how do you know if someone's coveting? It's a mind thing. God says, you're not to covet because I've called everybody on this planet, everybody for something different. Very interesting. And I believe that's very important for us in ministry today. All right, let's read on because this gets interesting. 
1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3, here's what it says. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. Oh, this is, this is absolutely fascinating. You see, Jonathan loved David and made a covenant with him. Now, this friendship between Jonathan and David is important. When God is first in our lives, those who love Jesus Christ are in covenant with one another. Okay, so thou shalt not covet. When we are Christians, when you love the Lord and you're trying with all your heart and soul, you're like me. I'm trying with all my heart and soul to do the right thing and to love the Lord. Believe it or not, we're brothers and sisters. <laughs> now, you may not like that idea, but God did it. So we need to look out for each other. I think Jesus said this, if he's put others first. That's what he said. So we need to understand that the family of God is more important than anything. Loving God and his family. Isn't that something that the family of God is a very important thing to remember? Now let's keep that in our hearts and our minds as we continue on our study. In verse 5, here's what it says. And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. Now, if your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem and his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. A covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, Kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, Far be it from you. For if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? And then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me? Or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. Now, I'm going to stop there because this is really important. Listen carefully. Jonathan proves his loyalty to David. The enemy of our soul loves to test our covenant with God and with each other. Boy, does he ever. We need to keep watch always. We need to watch what we say and what we do and how we treat each other. So it's one thing to have fellowship with each other. It's another thing when we go into agreement with each other. Boy, I'll tell you, I've seen so much of this where one Christian gets into agreement with another one, then one fails, and so he takes the other one to court. Unbelievable. That is wrong. 
Paul said in his scripture, he said, it'd be better for you to take the wrong, let him go, pray for him and go forward. Now this is really important. We need to pray that God helps us in seeing this covenant. God helps us to understand what he's saying to us and what he's doing. this character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, uh, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the people group of the Philistines, because I'm sure you've noticed if you've been reading through the scriptures with us that the Philistines were the main enemies of Israel during the reigns of Saul and then of David. So let's take a look at this people group and what we can learn from history and the Bible. In the Bible, the Philistines show up in the book of Judges as fierce enemies of Israel. Their attacks and military pressure was so great that it eventually caused the Israelites to demand a king, trading their tribal, judge-oriented government structure for a more traditional one. Archaeological remains from their cities agree with the Bible that the Philistines occupied the coastal land of Canaan without any major pushback for about 150 years, until the time of King David. But how did they get there? Today, there is general agreement among scholars that the Philistines were settled in Canaan as Egyptian garrison troops after they were defeated by Pharaoh Ramses III. This theory was first developed by William F. Albright in the 1920s and 30s as he sought to harmonize reliefs and documents from ancient Egypt with the archaeological data. Carved on the walls of Ramsey III's mortuary temple are scenes of a two-pronged battle between the Sea Peoples, a part of whom were the Philistines, and Egypt. In the accompanying inscription, it is claimed that the Sea Peoples attacked by land and sea, and they were more or less crushed by Ramesses. So then, if the Philistines were crushed in their attack against Egypt, how could they have settled and prospered in one of the most desirable areas of Canaan? In the most remarkably preserved Egyptian papyri known today, also dated to the reign of Ramses III, the fate of the Sea Peoples is said to have been forced servitude and resettlement in Egyptian strongholds. Therefore, the theory has become that Pharaoh resettled the Philistines in Canaan as Egyptian subjects. While this is the prevalent theory in scholarship today, there is another theory put forward by biblical archaeologist Dr. Bryant Wood, who instead believes the archaeological data in the Canaanite cities is best explained by the Philistines arriving in Canaan first as conquerors on their way to Egypt. Then after a defeat on Egypt's border, they would have turned back to their successfully taken land and settled there the coastal plain of Canaan during the time period of the Israelite judges. So although Saul was originally made king to deal with another outside threat from a different people group, he very quickly had to also deal with the threat of the Philistines, uh, who had kind of been uh, a problem for Israel for a while. I mean, you go back into the time period of the judges, you see them as well. Uh, but the Philistinian problem, it outlasted Saul, obviously, right? Saul dies in a battle against the Philistines, and it is left up to David to continue the 
defensive against the Philistines and push them back. And he was very successful in this, so much so that when Solomon took over, he didn't have to deal with this issue whatsoever. It's interesting because the Philistines were there for some time, but Mm -hmm. it's believed, some people believe that they came from Greece. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And it's fascinating because they've been always there antagonizing Mm -hmm. the Israelites when the Israelites took the Ark of the Covenant and used it as a way to say this is our good luck charm and all that, they captured it. And then put the Ark of the Covenant did a number on the Philistines too. Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. And and, I mean, there's nothing like particularly evil necessarily about the Philistines. They are just this rival people group who are really fighting for the land of Israel. I mean, it is a really important tract of land in the ancient world, connecting uh, massive areas of trade. So a very, very important spot strategically to have. Uh, So really interesting, all the different battles that went on. I mean, I'm not saying that they were good guys. It's not what I'm saying. (laughs) No, look, I hear you and I understand. It's just just interesting to see how that works out. So that's good. Yes. Okay, Ryan. All right, well, my segment today is inspired from David's references to the new moon in 1 Samuel chapter 20. And it's language like this that reminds us that the ancient Israelites used a lunar or moon-based calendar, and they still use it in Israel today. Now, of course, we in the West use a solar or sun-based calendar, and if you're really good, you can even tell time using the stars. It's super cool, and we're going to see how all three of these celestial timepieces work. And we'll begin by looking at the moon and its cycles and phases so that we can understand what a new moon looks like astronomically. Our moon is more than just a shimmering light in the night sky. It also serves as a timekeeper. For example, the moon takes 29 and a half days to orbit the Earth, which is the basis for our month. In fact, the word month is even derived from the word moon. During its orbit around Earth, the Moon goes through four main lunar phases. Each phase is visible for about one week and the Moon's appearance differs from phase to phase. The different appearances are a result of the position of the Moon's orbit in relation to where the Sun and the Earth are. The Moon's first phase is called New Moon, though we cannot actually see it at this point. That's because positionally the Moon is between the Sun and the Earth, which means we're viewing the dark side of the Moon against the equally dark night sky. Nevertheless, by the following week, the moon is into its second phase, called first quarter moon, or half moon. By week three, it's in its third and brightest phase, called full moon. This is when the moon is on the side of the Earth opposite the sun, and it's during this phase that a lunar eclipse can occur. By the fourth week, the moon comes into its final phase, called last quarter, or third quarter moon, and it has the same half moon appearance as it did in phase two. The moon then returns back to its first phase to start anew. The orbit of the moon is like clockwork. It's never late and never early. This powerful timepiece is not only the basis for the month, but also for the lunar calendar. In addition to the lunar calendar, we also have the solar calendar. The solar calendar is based off of the time it takes for the Earth to orbit around the sun one time. Interestingly, every day for some 200 years now, astronomers in Greenwich have noted the position of the sun using a special solar telescope. When the sun passes directly overhead, it is exactly noon Greenwich Mean Time, also known as Universal Time or Zulu Time, and all clocks in the world are synced to this clock. Of course, not only can the sun and moon be used to keep time, but so can the stars. Just like the sun, the stars rise in the east and set in the west. 
As soon as a star rises, it takes about six hours to reach its highest point, and another six hours to set. Although the stars are consistent, the rotation of the Earth around the Sun changes our perspective of the stars from night to night, which affects the position and rise time of the star. For example, the same star viewed on one night at a certain time would on the next night be shifted slightly to the west and would rise approximately four minutes earlier. Significantly, after one year, the perspective of the stars would be back to their original positions. Truly, the sun, moon, and stars are a testimony to the words of Genesis 1.14, where God establishes them as timekeepers. So as you can see, the sun, moon, and stars are perfectly fulfilling one of their God-given roles as timekeepers. Clearly, these celestial bodies weren't just accidents of nature. They are very specially and specifically set up for our benefit. Now, this also goes to show that the celestial bodies were meant to serve us rather than us serve them. Like David does in the Psalms, we need to praise and worship the Creator, not the creation. And this is interesting because when you look at the planets and you look at everything, those we use like Saturn and Jupiter and all that, those are names of Roman gods. And God says, the Lord says, He has names for all the stars. I wonder what He calls them. And we'll know that one day when we all get to heaven. Uh, that's one of the questions that I want to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Excellent, Ryan. And by the way, if you like this program, uh, click like it uh, on YouTube or on the website. You can always come back and see it. But just to make sure that you click like it. And you also, if you are there, you can subscribe to the Bible Discovery channel as well. Very good. Make sure you do that. Okay, Jim. Taking this in a little bit different direction, uh, I wanted to focus on David and Jonathan's connection. They had a special bond between the two of them. They were more than brothers. And, um, you know, we, we really see this in this chapter. And they, they made this covenant with each other that we would see David fulfill later in 2 Samuel chapter 9 when we get there, uh, that David would try to find any of Jonathan's descendants so that he could fulfill that covenant of taking care of him and, and came upon Jonathan's son Mephibosheth. So those of you that have never read the Bible before, I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger and you can see what's coming down the road a little bit later. But um, I wanted to talk about special friendships. David and Jonathan had this special bond and, you know, when we invite Jesus Christ into our hearts and we become a Christian, we become a part of a fellowship. We become a part of God's family. And it is such a, a blessing and a privilege to be a part of God's family. And, you know, you can go anywhere in the world to any different culture that you want to, to, to go any different country. But when you come upon a fellow believer, there is a special connection. There's a special bond. And that's the Spirit of God that lives within us. That's that connecting factor. And recently, I had the privilege of joining with four other of my very special friends, some of whom I hadn't seen for, oh my goodness, I don't know how many years. And within seconds of walking through the door, it was like no time had passed. 
you know what I'm talking about, that special connection that you can have with people. And, you know, off the top, we were getting caught up with personal things and, and joking and laughing about, you know, aging. And, and, uh, and, and I had said, you know, just kind of as a joke, but not really a joke, that some days I thank God that body parts are attached because I feel like I'd be spread out all over the place. You know, my arm, where, where did I put my arm and where's my, where's my foot? And, you know, because I get going and doing so many things. And later on, as I was listening, we began to share how that God had been working in and through our lives, difficult times, good times, uh, ministry expansion. And as I was listening, I thought, isn't it so much like God who talks about his church, that Christ is the head and that we are the body and that each of us are called to different parts of that body. And when we work together, when we minister together, it works so well. And I was just so enthralled with listening to these wonderful women and, and the things that, that God had helped them through the things that they were currently involved in, and it was so encouraging. And I just want to really encourage everyone today in the family of God, you may be going through a time where you feel discouraged, or maybe in the last while you have felt displaced with things that have been shut down. Maybe even your church services or things were shut down for a time. And now you're a little bit, you're a little bit afraid to, to get back. It feels a little bit uncomfortable, or it's been a long time since you've talked to anyone or made yourself um, available to be that friend. I would encourage you today. I want to be your encourager to say, you know, there are things that God has worked in you, that's done through you, things that he has helped you through that will really encourage others. So let me encourage you today. Don't keep those things to yourself. Share them with each other. Be encouragers. Sit and pray for one another. Bring your needs before the Lord and, 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 and talk about him because he is the light inside of us. He's the one that gives us that purpose. And we can be encouragers to those around us, those who don't know God yet. We need to be different. We need to be leaders and talk about our Lord Jesus. So be encouraged today, dear brother. Be encouraged today, dear sister. Let's encourage one another and those around us. I want to encourage you, as I usually do, to go to YouTube. And when you're at YouTube, you can look for Pastor Rod Hembry. That's a channel that we have that has new programs on it and new videos all the time. And it's not videos we air on television, but it's videos we air on the internet. And you will be notified if you subscribe. So my encouragement would be, please subscribe to us and become a part of that. Today, let's pray and say, Lord, teach me and help me to follow you and to respond the way you would. 
to people around me.